welcome back to what have you i am rachel jankovic i'm becca merkel and today the birds are singing you can see the green on the hills it's all very that exciting. mountain raven landing on top of the tree right there is probably yeah. the one that i'm mad about with the garbage <laughs> <laughs> he's probably. the persecutor of the jankovic probably. garbage probably is his fault but, but it is very exciting to see a little bit of green on the hills yep. it's like we finally might mean it yeah we can't be sure but we're we actually think. in that we're actually in the prime time for when all of a sudden you are so claustrophobic and you can't believe you've been wearing jeans socks. and socks <laughs> and you're like what happened we don't know how to do this and yeah. it's yeah. true that right now it'll be like 60 degrees and your kids are like whoa can we hit the pool like they're so confused <laughs> so confused yeah it's festive and we're we're having some of these weeks kind of slip past without noticing that we never podcasted because Rachel has a baby. I think and I don't want to take all the blame. Yeah, Becca goes on trips it. and I have no, a baby. I haven't the last well, few Well, not weeks. right now, but no. other times this I is your fault. I think that we've switched a little bit on the teeter-totter because... It used to be me. I was teaching. I had all the yeah, things. That's and, true. And I had trips and I had this and that. And I was harder to get a free moment. And I feel like now I'm a little more flexible than you. Yep. I am. Not, it's not that I'm not flexible. It's that my baby is not as flexible <laughs> for podcasting. And I don't leave him in the house alone. alone. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the things. It's I have to have another things. person on hand. But we are we are swiftly approaching May, and I think that when uh, we probably should go back one of these times just as a science experiment, you and I, and listen to what we had to say every May. <laughs> oh, because we always have to bring up mayhem, mayhem and, and May Mageddon and and, and May and, Day and, and, and Mayhem is has expanded to April because everybody yeah, knows yeah. that May is so crazy that they schedule everything in April. Yeah, it's tis the season yeah. of dioramas and showers and yeah. random other things during the track yeah. and we are now officially down to less than three weeks i believe until knox and leah's wedding oh today and this very day is an important day for me because this is the day that i enter my phase of five teenagers oh yeah i've That's got five That's i've got big. five of them guys and the fun thing about that five of them is that I'll have five for a little while. Then Lena will turn 20 mm -hmm. and then we'll have a little gap and then Shadow will be a teenager. Mm -hmm. I'll go back to having mm -hmm. five again for a little mm -hmm. while. So it's I had five, but not for a long time. But the funny thing is during that moment when I had five teenagers is when we did the blurb on the back of Even Exile for like, I'm the mother of five teenagers, which was a transient kind of moment but it still says it on the back yeah. and I only have one now and it's like I'm basically the mother of five adults at this point you know yeah well and it's pretty I I when I realized I am the mother of five teenagers all of a sudden I thought perchance this has something to do with me being like I cannot keep food in the house oh, yeah. to save my life right yeah. now like I, that is my full-time job actually that's not true my full-time job is Ezra and then Right after that. But having a baby, I'll tell you something really funny. I think I've said this on the podcast already, but the teenager life is a really fast-paced life. Yes. The baby life is not that fast-paced uh, life. 
I feel like, well, I think it's more like the teenager life is like shooting the rapids when you're rafting, but I feel like the baby life is when it looks calm, but it's real fast moving. But yeah, but I think you know that what I when mean? my five teenagers were all little, it felt like the days were really long. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not until you add in a pace of grown or upper children that your days whiz by mm-hmm. in no time. Like the difference between the times when like it used to be that we barely made it to five o'clock now <laughs> it can be seven o'clock when i'm like oh shoot what you know like yeah. it just is a very different world yeah. but the funny thing is having a baby in that world does two things one i'm like but i was trying to tell luke this yesterday because it's it's a different kind of exhausting that i have experienced in a long time which is around 10 in the morning probably is when i start to feel like not gonna make it not gonna make it. like everything's going too fast i'm like i'll never get dinner done on time like at 10 a.m and then oh, yeah. you are questing to get it done oh, yeah. for what feels like about 30 minutes but is the passage of the whole day like i'm, I'm like yeah. well i didn't yeah. achieve yeah. what i meant to achieve today but it's good it's good old-fashioned clean family fun yeah you is. just can't get your it stuff is. done on time it's just like, yeah, living in the wind. It like is. the windy it's, times. It's pretty sweet, though. It, it's yeah. sweet it's very having sweet. a baby, and it's sweet having the five teenagers. So it's just sort of like, well, yeah. just, it's a real live in the moment kind of a yeah. time. Like, yeah. a don't, don't get so caught up in what you're not doing that you're not mm-hmm. just enjoying how sweet this wild I think that's hour actually is. All of life, though, really, because... I think sometimes Amen. it's yeah. just maybe every day seems like every other day and it just feels like boring and the same. Yeah. But that's still, you know, that's something that you would miss if suddenly your life was thrown uh, into yeah. chaos. And- A million percent. <laughs> and, it's, and there's always those things that you're like, don't know what the last time was you don't know mm-hmm. like the things that you do miss, but you never knew when it was the last time you were doing it. Yeah. And I think the key though is to like, if you're working on being grateful and content for today, then you're not all caught up in missing that moment that you probably weren't grateful at the time for either. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so I easy. feel like I, I had a lot of that with Moses though, where I felt all the time, like one of these times is going to be the last time that I'm walking into yeah. Winco holding his hand because yeah. Soon he's just turning into a bigger, like, you feel yeah. like, oh, I'm, this is my last. And then surprise, it wasn't my last time yeah. to have. But I do think it's super easy to live always in the past of missing all the things that went before that you were probably being a stinker about at the time. But, you know, in the, well, in hindsight, you were certainly being a stinker if you can only appreciate yeah. it in the past, in the right. rear view mirror. So it's like, it's easy to look back edit out all the difficult parts, only remember the highlights, project that over your entire life back then, and then miss it. But it's also equally easy to look into the future in which there are no problems, only, only like realized aspirations. Um, <laughs> like in the future when you'll be organized and you'll get up early and you'll be all of the things in the future. But today is actually the one you have to be content and grateful in. Well, and the magic, I think Nate makes this point in must be death by living, but 
uh, is just the the magic is in realizing that today is the it is the gift that you would be nostalgic for later. Like exactly that this moment, like this time. Yeah, I'm not. When you look around your table full of teenagers who are all taller than you. It's easy to think, oh, but they used to be so, so little, little with fat yeah. little faces and playing funny games and the, you know, yeah. Yeah. whatever. And then, uh, but not realize that in a few more years, this will be yeah. the sweet time that you, and just living like, you know, it's the gift that it is. Right. And I feel like if you're grateful for it in the present, then you're able to be properly grateful for it once it's in the past without drawing up this big fictional drama vision around it. You know, emotionalism that afflicts womankind everywhere. Well, and I remember seeing one time, um, a a person from afar that I don't, I don't know who I've never seen a complainer of this magnitude (laughs) where it's kind of like, You know some of those satire accounts that people right. fall for sometimes? It was that bad, except for it was just a wife and mom who was complaining like, I mean, world world record champion <laughs> level complaining. And I didn't, I don't know her at all, and I have no idea why I was seeing her stuff anyway. But it was just, I would always pause and look at it like, whoa, wow, like, wow. And then... Um, again, all only from afar, she encountered a genuine, a genuine tragedy, one that would be very hard for anyone. And suddenly the complaining takes on a much more tragic, you know, aspect. But the weirdest part is how much now everything before the tragedy was her wonderful, perfect life that everything was amazing. And I would just, and I'm thinking, but I always pause to look at how stinky you were being back then because it was just yeah. phenomenal. You like were phenomenal levels. Yeah. And now it's like hearing, hearing how magical life was back then. It's like, woo. It's a good lesson. It is a very good object <laughs> lesson somewhere out there. There are people who are doing this and just, oh, yeah. just don't let it be you. Don't let it be no, you. No, and it's so, it is so easy to be, have our hearts really tuned to our difficulties mm-hmm. and tuned mm-hmm. to our trials. Something that I've actually been thinking about, but uh, I don't mean to like sound depressing, but we're really, I mean, I'm delighted with the life that God has called us to. And I'm delighted with the fact that I know he put us all here for a reason at this time, Mm -hmm. but you have to be really have your head in the sand to not think that our children are going to be up against much bigger. Like we are here at the unraveling of a civilization. Like we are, we are here in that moment and the bottom is falling out in all kinds of places. And we have that faith and that confidence that, that Christ has won, that this is mm-hmm. like, like, I don't fear that in the sense that no, you, there's nothing to fear, but you have to think that we have to be equipping our children oh, yeah. for things that will be far harder than what we faced. And we want to be equipping them to be, joyful and resilient and thankful and like, and the funniness is we we cannot afford 
to give our children parents who felt sorry for themselves about no. little deets, little things. No. I know I've mentioned this before, but made a real... F- Sometimes you learn a spiritual lesson that hits you with physical impact. And okay. one of those it was in the early years of my life when we had a minivan still. So it was before, whatever, we were driving in our minivan back from Costco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have these beautiful vistas here. There's this one spot on the way back from Costco where you kind of come up over a long, slow, like it's a long, slow hill. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden there's just this beautiful, huge, huge view of mm-hmm. the world, yeah. you know? And a lot of the time there's a glorious sunset Sure. happening there and it, and you just can see the vastness of mm-hmm. the area and um we crested that hill once while I was in a stinky heart <laughs> I don't even know I don't even know I like I honestly don't even know what it was about but presumably it had to do with taking a whole bevy of children to Costco <laughs> and the and the life that was occurring to me at that time I don't know it wasn't it was not a big it was unimportant enough that I don't even know what it was. It sure. wasn't like I was going through a specific <laughs> yeah. health crisis Arch. or something. I was going through the a weight of life is tood. what I was. Yeah, I was I was having a tood. And just a stink spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. The, it was just mm-hmm. a thing that was mm-hmm. not good. Yeah. And we we crested that hill and it was like a slap in the face of like here's this glorious <laughs> vista where you can sort of see the world and I'm like and here's this tiny metal box full of us in our boxes of diapers and food and and one woman offering offering up the aroma of ingratitude. <laughs> And it was sort of like seeing yourself, it was sort of like seeing yourself, like, um, you know, there's like a school project that the kids do where they all bring in a ton of Play-Doh and they make a huge topographical map sure. of the U.S. Sure. with like major exports and whatever. <laughs> it was like if you could zoom way out on your life and see this one wispy burnt offering of ingratitude and evil spirits from... from... <laughs> From the woman in the van. Like, that was, it was just so funny. Like, the smallness of it all was so, like, the little heartedness, the ingratitude, (laughs) the, and, and in such a situation, I careen over the glorious landscape (laughs) towards a stunning sunset in a car full of radical blessings. (laughs) Radical ones. And and what and I and I am just soaring over it all with uh this displeases me sort of my heart is not pleased with what has been given to me right now and it was just and what I mean is like it's like a it's like a physical memory yeah, yeah. of the slap in the face that that was but. Oh, I've often so thought funny. of that, but the thing that's interesting is that, <laughs> the thing that's interesting is that that aroma of ingratitude obviously does not please the Lord, but 
even though we are so small and so insignificant and so whatever, it is his personal attention that has blessed us, that cares for us, that supports us, that gives us breath. And he is pleased with our offerings of sacrifice and our offerings of praise and our offerings of like, and, and he, even though we're so little and insignificant, we're we're not well, not noticeable. We're actually offering something to the Lord that can please Him or displease Him. But I feel like that's the interesting piece of God being infinite because the we I think we tend to think of it as He's so big and so vast that He's over the cosmos exactly. and over the galaxies. But the fact that He's infinite means He's all the way down in the tiniest details. Right, too. like He's so infinite. That he knew exactly what temptations I was facing in that minivan. And he was not pleased with my management of them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And he knew. He knew all of it, you know? And he gives us the smallest little blessings. And he gives us us his spirit to point out when we're being a stink dude (laughs) in the van. You know, like... I feel like whatever that Japanese animation movie is that I don't like but there was one amazing part of it that I felt like was just a universal spiritual truth with the stink spirit okay do you remember this it's like I have some no clue what you're talking yeah, about yeah it's like that spirited away or whatever oh. and i don't remember a single speck of it except for i feel like there was a river or something that was there was a stink spirit mm. and and somehow <laughs> it's connected to the river Okay. I don't know. If I don't know. I clearly not paid enough something. attention. I I watched this probably twenty years ago. I mean, I don't even know. But there's Does some that exist little twenty years ago. Okay, maybe eighteen. It was like before we moved to England, I think. Okay, whatever. She's gonna Google to Google. find out. But there was like a some sort of a clogged up stink spirit, mm. and there was some little tiny thing that they start tugging at to try to get the stink spirit, and it turns wow, out you're right. Twenty. 2002. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, but there's some like, it's sort of like a little sliver or something yeah. that they're going to try to remove, which turns out to be, I think, like the handle of a bicycle that like pops out and then this whole thing bursts and it's just full to the brim with garbage. Like just garbage just <laughs> comes pouring out of the stink spirit. <laughs> it's like, Mm. Or maybe it was the stink spirit. I can't remember, but I think it was called the stink spirit. And it just is Uh, so so perfect because Mm -hmm. it was like, if you think about all the baggage of ingratitude, petty fussing, selfish little... Self-importance. Yeah. Like going, think of yourself this little tiny fragment of the cosmos going mm-hmm, in looking mm-hmm. in the mirror and then, thinking there's the most important thing but then just having that one little <laughs> thing that gets pulled on and then the whole thing just pops open but also if it was like that i feel like that's the sort of root or, root of bitterness that springs up and defiles many yes, it's like it could yeah. be that or it could be the repentance of just getting rid of it all and turning yeah. from it and then going back to like, oh, here's the nice river without the stink yes, spirit. Yes, turns out. And I probably just totally butchered that whole thing, but it stuck with me through the long years and I might have reinvented it. So don't take that as an accurate summary of the well, movie. But no, but that's, you know, that really is the reality is that God cares. 
Like, the point is not it's so little that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It God, it's infinite, and it matters. It, it right. matters. But he is so great, and his mercy is so great, and the blessings he's given us are so great that it is hilarious to careen through your life from one injury and insult yeah. to another. And packing it all in into a nice little backpack that you're carrying oh, around with you. All you know? my grievances. Oh, well, that. You want to talk about the till we have faces is the... Oh, whoa. Yeah. Well, if you want to talk about getting your chance to read your accusations. <laughs> <laughs> but so many people act like their grievances against God are things that they would delight to. That they would delight for the chance to say them. Yeah. You know, Mike. Yeah. And yeah. and the reality is, mm, yeah, no, you, yeah, probably not. No, I mean you'd be flat on your face. Yeah, and it's good to keep that in mind. It it's is. good to know who is the all-powerful, holy one who right. has chosen this for me. Like who has given me this afternoon or this, you know, right. like. And right. do I actually have something to complain about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Or boast about because I just was reading that bit in Daniel this morning of Nebuchadnezzar and after he finishes up his time and comes back he's sort of like who can argue against God you know like who can who can do that and his problem was not all of his grievances against God it was all of his mighty impressive look what I did look what I've done Yeah. yeah so it really you could you could be faulting God for a lot of things, or you could be taking credit yourself for a lot of things. There's and neither of these is, is good. There's a lot of ways you can go that you shouldn't go. <laughs> a lot but of possibilities. Living in gratitude and quick repentance is key. Very key. Key very, and very worth key. and worth doing. Yeah, exactly. And don't be like me in the minivan, guys. <laughs> Or Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Or Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. In the, the minivan. On the one hand, we have Rachel, the mother of small children. Don't be like that. And on the other hand, we have Nebuchadnezzar. Well, which would be sort of like bursting over the lip of the thing in the minivan, taking credit for the sunset yourself. Wow. <laughs> look what I have done. Yeah, look at the great thing I've come up with here, guys. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I did have this feeling today, the reading about Nebuchadnezzar, that if we see him in glory, think of how little we have in common with him. Because <laughs> you're like, he's constantly threatening to chop people in pieces and make their houses a dunghill. And he's obviously good at chucking people to lions and into furnaces and things. Well, well the- no, that wasn't the lions, wasn't him. The furnace was. And so it's like, the he furnace co- is clearly, my favorite because he goes, he just ricochets so hard yeah, to, yeah. Um, you know, how he ricochets yes, right back to yes. that. Well, anyone who says anything against yeah, the living God, yeah. I will, I will still persecute yeah. great, great things upon them. Yeah. And I just, I feel like he's he doing come that. out of it a nice he's man. He's doing it right. Saying, he's yeah. doing it left and he isn't sorry at all. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it, he did yeah. learn the greatest commandment it feels like you know like he got there he might not have gotten to the second table of the law we don't know i mean (laughs) 
But it felt like he might have well, come amazing? to grips with the first. I just love it. I mean, it. there will be so many people in heaven that are that defy our our very limited understanding of everything. And it's so interesting that God was so gracious to Nebuchadnezzar in so many ways. Like giving him a prophet of the Lord to explain things to him and giving him these visions and, you know, like giving him that lesson that he appeared to have learned and come back from and said, God is the one, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I have learned it. And the fact that he even authored a part of scripture, I find to be shocking. It's so There's, funny. There are so many parts of God's design and what God has been doing in the world that we don't have any knowledge of. Yeah. And then there are just these moments where you see something in it and it makes you feel very aware of how little knowledge yeah. you have of it. Yeah. Like how much... Oh, wow. Yeah. I think maybe I've said this on here before, and I can't remember the details, so that's unhelpful. But <laughs> it was the guy that, the failed missionary, you know? Oh, yeah, you have. Yeah. Yeah, and just like that he died thinking he never mm-hmm. did anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when people went back to where he had passed through some villages, they found out that actually. Well, it's kind of like you chucking your, your old dead pumpkin yeah. off the porch. And, and then, thinking, well. There's a loss. And then the next time being like, who planted this pumpkin yeah. patch? <laughs> <laughs> ah, was it I? I know. It's really, but it's, so that kind of thing is so, it's so cool when you see those little glimpses of yeah. that glorious well, and big story. The fact that it's the small obediences. Just just like it's the small disobediences that can spoil everything. Yeah. It's the small obediences that God uses to change the world. Like right. really actually change the world. And so it is as you were talking about our kids inheriting this crazy place. It's very much the time where you've got to teach them the faithfulness of small obedience. That No kidding. <laughs> Like, it's the time to be everyone on guard about the little things. And you know, one of the littlest, the biggest little thing, I think, is envy. Well. That because the little thing that, that like, every stupid person in the whole universe feels that they actually are a snake handler on that one. They're like, I can, I'll be able to do it. Yeah. I'll be able to cultivate this little, this little root in my heart, this yeah. little thought, this little sideways glance, this little being mad that my husband gets to go have a job and I'm going to yeah. be at home. You know, like whatever it is that everybody yeah. has their times where they faultily believe that they can harbor this venomous thing in their life and, I, and not have it destroyed. I do think envy is one of those ones that takes on a lot of, it they, It likes to dress up in costumes. You know oh yeah, because mean? envy could be we just really want children. Envy could be I'm, wish I was married. You yeah. know. And, envy but it also, be, I think you can be weirdly in the grip of envy when the object of your envy is your own imaginary self. Yes, or envying your past life. Yeah, or again, like what we were saying before, either your past one that you've re 
whitewashed yeah. or your future one that you have imagined which is I'm envious of myself when I'm which very is, skinny it's like and self-disciplined. It's an easier way to describe that is just discontent. Mm-hmm. But it's discontent because you're you have another measuring stick up somewhere and this that I have right mm-hmm. now is not matching that. Right. Which is essentially envy. I mean, it's like you're wanting uh, something over there that hasn't been given to you or whatever. Yes, totally. I'm trying to look for the the trying to remember which proverb it was about the uh better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. But mm-hmm. I think what well, I'm trying to think of it's a version of that. I mean, there's actually quite a few different versions of that. Yeah. That kind of um Hold on, I'm going to look it up and see if there was a different one that I was trying to think of. Uh, yeah, basically the contentious woman or the quarrelsome woman or the woman mm-hmm. who uh, is kind of always... Spoiling for a fight. Got a thing going. <laughs> but one of the things that struck me is how, like when you were saying you can even be envious of yourself, I think you can be self-contentious. You can you can do for your husband the treat of of having a big bicker with yourself <laughs> making his life better without you you know like uh, could yeah. he go anywhere else and i remember thinking that because of, it was when you were talking about your ideals that yeah. when you can set up the who you think you ought to be and then yeah. have a fight with her yeah and treat your husband to that yeah. You know? Yeah. Here, the woman that I was going to be was going to have the house clean, have dinner made, have this done, have that done, and I can't do that. And so I am mad about it, and I'm having a fight. Yeah, like, and, and but it's being envious of that woman that I was trying to be, and I... Yeah, but, like, you know the I mean? combativeness with, like, setting up... Well, okay, women are really bad at... Like, envy is, like, woven all through this, because women are really bad at seeing a sister either a literal sister or a sister in Christ doing something that you admire and then setting it up as a standard and then being angry that you're falling short and being like Mm -hmm. turning it into this massive. That's what I mean. It is a way of being a contentious woman. Like it's a way of being a, I'm, I am creating drama Mm -hmm. and obstacles and fights well, the thing is, we know that Jesus was crucified because of envy. Like, we're uh-huh. told that wherever. I can't remember where it is. And that that is why the Jews delivered him up, was because of envy. And you think about the very first murder, Abel, yep. was because of envy. It's well, like, I think it Gerard, is, I haven't read Gerard, but I'm pretty sure the whole thing is, the premise is that, like, and I think it can be, I, I can't pull off the top of my head all of the reasons for this, but I think you really can argue from scripture that because of envy, because of, um, that Satan fell because of envy, because of the fact that God's plan was for mankind to be glorified in, you know, that Jesus became a man. He didn't become an angel. I mean, I don't know how you'd get there from scripture, but, mm. you know. But sure, I mean, it's, the point is, it I is, think, it is not clearly spelled out, but no. there is plenty of reason to say that it is, yeah. that there is a reason to think that's possibly what and, it was. And definitely the first, uh, I think the key is, is that envy is not like just a little kind of petty thing off on the side that you shouldn't indulge. It is murderous. Like it uh-huh. actually is a murderous impulse 
that you cannot. It's totally like Jesus saying, you know, he who looks at a woman lustfully is committing adultery in his heart. Yeah. It's like any envy is murder. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're like, you're, I deserve that. I want that. How dare they And let it get full grown. That's where it goes. You know, it's just, it's not a little tiny thing. And don't indulge it in your kids either. I mean, it's, it can seem so innocent and so small because it could be over the third graders binder you know you can get envious it's like oh i'm sorry you didn't have a new pair of shoes when everyone else got them right and there's nothing wrong you're the yeah with getting them the new pair of shoes when everyone else got them but there is something wrong in indulging a yeah this is a hot this is a hot tip for those of you who have still little kids at home it's one of the no-nos in our life was always asking for something because someone has it. Sure. Like, but it's surprisingly often, it's the automatic um, argument that kids make. Because they will be yeah. like, can I have a popsicle because because they had one. Like, yeah. because somebody has one. And they say that because they're trying to say. It feels like it's simply justice that I am asking for. Right. But we just were always like, you're not... There will be no because he, because she, like, Mm -hmm. you are free to come say, may I have a popsicle? Yeah. You are not free to say, may I have a popsicle because I saw that he was eating one. Like, it was like, (laughs) that is not, that is not. And, but also be a little bit cynical because as soon as you outlaw that, then your kids will learn that there are certain things that you can be motivated by. You just can't say it out loud. And you want to make sure. I just meant you don't want to have them thinking all the time in terms yeah. of in terms of that this is the so what I mean is like don't just simply make it the verbal thing that's oh, disallowed yeah. but like really the heart attitude that you kind of get in there or and at least try to feel free to dig more and talk, talk about talk it, about it. Yeah. yeah about the I think it's there. the kind of thing that's just like every every one of your kids will have opportunities with siblings will have with friends with whatever opportunities to be envious and it's just important that you all know all along that what everyone has is the power to ruin everything. Yeah, I know. Like what we all have yeah. is the, yeah. all of us have it in us, <laughs> what it would take to destroy a family. It's, to destroy it's sort of like a, all of us have the emergency break within reach. <laughs> everybody could do a big, um, every one of us could. And that it, every single person is morally obligated to be fighting that fight to yeah. be to be putting that to death yeah. not you know yeah. not indulging it exactly not pulling the emergency break just yeah, a little bit a little bit a little bit they just kind of like to jerk like, back and forth yeah like, yeah no it's not good exactly mundo good. indeed you had something though we went off trail you had something that oh, you thought oh, oh. we should talk about i feel like I have on Instagram, like we talked about a few weeks ago, I've been doing this little Instagram challenge, which has been fantastic because people are doing all sorts of fun, creative Mm -hmm. things, which are very fun to look at. But I did say, okay, we're going to call this dancing backwards and I'll explain it at some point. But then I just didn't get around to it. And so I felt like, why not get around to it right now? So I think you probably remember this too. I feel like it was at a grace agenda years ago. I can't even remember what talk I was giving or why, but I used the 
illustration of dancing backwards somehow. And you said, I think now we know what Becca's next book will be called. And it actually, really? I don't remember that. Yeah. And I have talked to Canada about it. And yes, maybe someday I have sort of kind of started it, but uh, someday I will get it done. But I have felt like even exile, I purposely tried in even exile to not get into the like super detail oriented stuff. I tried to keep it very big picture vision because I do think that these are principles that women are going to work out in their own way over a huge amount of variety of circumstances Uh and it cannot be done by one woman's this is my little approach and this is what we all do. And we also know that women are supposed to teach each other and build on each other's work and all that kind of thing. So it has to be a lot of women and it has to be a more organic thing than than right. one person setting themselves up as here is how I run my life and everyone needs to follow that. So I really tried to not get into any sort of specifics. But one thing I have noticed in the sort of questions that I've gotten about even exile a lot, um, they tended to fall into two categories. One is, but what about single women? That one is a, a sort of um, common common question. But the other one is like, okay, I'm in, I love this. I like the vision. I love the big picture, but I don't know how, and I've never seen it. And how do you, Mm. like, what do you even do? And especially because of the impact of feminism, I think there's a lot of women growing up without any, any actual examples around Mm -hmm. them. And they don't have like the creative imagination that enables them to just kind of solo make it up as they go. Right. So there's, so that's one piece is that there's people who are like, they're in on the principle, but they don't know what the methods would look like. So that's one issue. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is also sort of an implication of something I talked about in even exile is obviously we are giving our daughters the same education we're giving our sons. And that is because we think that, um, loving the Lord your God with all of your mind is not something that is only limited to men. And, you know, like we're giving our daughters a rigorous education because we think that it actually does impact their work mm-hmm. as women. So we're giving them that education, but I have seen that there are some girls who, and I don't know what the common denominator is maybe it's their mothers taught them maybe they had good examples or maybe they just instinctively know it's kind of like some people can clap on beat and some people can't you know what I mean like some people you didn't have to teach them they just feel it and they do it and then other people don't and they would have to be sort of walked through it but I think that there is a kind of um maybe a Potentially, it could be a stumbling block, I think, when you give your daughters the identical education to your sons. Because I do think girls have the challenge of they need to do one more step, which is they have to take that education and then translate it into, okay, what does this look like if I'm doing this in a feminine way? So I use the example of dancing backwards because if you picture, you know, a couple that knows how to dance together really well. The woman is doing the same dance, but she's doing it backwards. And it's, there can be this kind of, 
I think the thing that can throw people is that when you give your daughters and sons the same education, some of the girls instinctively know how to take that and be like, oh, I see. So I will do it like this. And they do that little, the little calculation that's just sort of like, and now do it backwards. And some women don't know how to do that thing. Like they don't understand why did I learn theology or math if I'm just going to be a mom. And the only way they can envision that being worked out is the way the men do it. They don't know how to take it and flip it and go to the dancing backwards. So anyway, that's why I called it dancing backwards is like, there's this whole realm of the feminine, which our culture has thrown out, like completely thrown out. And so now it's a case of trying to rebuild it from scratch, but you can't rebuild it from scratch. Like we're given all the tools that the men have, but then we have to do it differently. We have to like do them with that additional component. And I think that the easy thing would be like, well, why don't we, why don't we teach the men, you know, the backwards steps? (laughs) It's like, well, because the men are called to lead and the women are called to help and to follow mm-hmm. their husbands. Not, not the women follow the men, but the woman follows the man. But the women so, also should follow the men in like, if everything is working well, it's not the women should follow any individual man, but the, no, le- no, no. the, the men ought to be leading, leading the church, leading the culture, leading, leading the, the community, homes. leading the homes. And so it would be atrocious to teach the men and women all the same steps, but do it the feminine way, right? That's not, the men shouldn't have to do the, the calculation because they're the ones who are leading and the women need to take that and then figure out, okay, how do I then complement this and do the same steps, but in reverse? And of course there's the famous quote from somebody about Ginger Rogers that she did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in heels. So there is that sort of, interesting piece where you are doing the same thing, but you're not, you know what I mean? Like, but you learn the steps kind of when you're learning the dance, your sons and your daughters are probably being taught the same math. It's not like you teach the girls a different one. They're being taught the same history. They're being taught the same biblical principles, but then you've got to take that and think, okay, now what am I going to do with that? And how do I enflesh it as a woman? And so that's why I picked the phrase dancing backwards, because in all of these little areas, you're trying to figure out how to take what you believe about the world and then make it tangible and real in little tiny details. It's like what we were saying a minute ago about the small obediences, where it's like, how do you honor God just in what you made for dinner or what you're doing in your home or how you're handling, you know, just your role as a wife or as a mother or as a single woman, you know, like how are you doing this biblically and obediently in the small details? And then the other thing that I just like about the Instagram thing is then it really is women learning from each other instead of one woman setting up as the guru of mm-hmm. here. I, I mean, and there are some women who have a lot to teach, you know, and that's fantastic, sure. but you certainly don't want it to turn into the little, everybody walk in lockstep because everyone has to figure out how to do this in their own place and in their own way. And I think it will take on different, um, different flavors and different distinctives all over the place, which I think is fantastic. It's like a, it's the way God made the world is that you've got the sourdough can be made all over the world, but it actually will taste distinctively different 
mm-hmm. different places. So anyway, that that's my explanation for dancing backwards. It's good. It's a lot to it's a lot to do with for women and for daughters and for but I do think it's it is interesting because as we want to be uh, leveling up leveling up standards of excellence and not settling it just sort of coasting into things. It is funny how it can be easier for girls to excel in academically or easy to excel in places that not a, that it's good for them to be, but that it's not their ultimate destination. Right. It's right. kind of should actually be a it should actually be a transient phase, mm-hmm. not where they mm-hmm. camp. Like it's, this it's is, like it's like if you were teaching like if you're coaching a team and you're making them run suicides or do box jumps or something. It's not because in the game they're going to have to do box jumps. Right. It's because you, it's a tool that you're teaching them something else with it. And I think that's the thing. Is It's true for, for boys and for girls. But the education you're giving your children is like that. It is not because in real life you're going to suddenly have to solve an algebra problem in the right. middle of your day. Sometimes you do. And then you feel really... Smug when you can do it. But it's not because of that. It's because you are strengthening certain muscles and you're developing certain traits and certain habits of mind. And the education isn't an end in itself. It is a tool. Right. And I do think the girls... It's not like it's easy for guys. I don't think it's easy for guys because you give them this education and then they do have to find their way in the world and what is their calling and uh, well, you know, like all the of education that. is also a tool for men. Yes, and 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 I don't think it is. Oh, the guys have it so easy because I do think it's complicated. You know, like you're trying to figure out what am I here for, <laughs> what am I doing, um, and the guys have to do that. But I do think that it is a more straightforward, linear thing for guys. I actually think it's just less right now. It's less culturally despised, like for a man to get an education and apply it in the way that he needs to. But is... see, I I have said this, I know probably a million times on the podcast, but I cannot stand it when conservatives and Christians who feel like they're really they have this sort of we're defending the traditional gender roles whatever, when they say you have to give your daughters an education because what if they never get married or what if her husband dies and she has to provide for the house? And I'm like, you know what? That is the most insulting, rude, like feminists are that rude, but That's they, actually but they say it. Cause the I thing think is, the thing that you're dancing around in a lot of different ways with like that we're not like one of the things that's tripping us all up culturally is the idea that education is about job equipment. Like oh my, that, yeah. that education no. is about vocation, yep, and not about, about education, yeah. <laughs> not right. about training your mind and, right. tra- and disciplining right. your mind, because there and there is a lot of education that is about vocation, and that's how it is. Um, it has been rebranded that overwhelmingly. Way, yeah. The reason people try to get a college education is so they can get a job, right? Like mm-hmm. a, so, the college education to job. Thing yeah. is a mistake that's made all over the place, and it's why people say 
she should have a college education in case she needs to get a job. But, which is some other which time. is hilarious to me because it's like saying if she's a wife and mom, she will never have to fall back on her brain. But if somehow, right, but, God forbid, she have to use her brain. I mean, that's right. So but that, but that's the problem. Ridiculous. With, but that's the problem. With I don't think that people are saying. I don't think they mean that because I think they mean if she has to use her degree, which you don't need to use. You don't need to use yeah. your degree. You do need to use your brain to be a homemaker <laughs> right. and a wife and right. a, like. And ideally, the better trained it is, the more capable it is, the more. And you the know more, how to interpret things. And, and, and the more you can do the, that mental calculation, which is to figure out, like, okay, given this, how do I reverse the dance steps? How do I do this backwards? And I do think that the right kind of education is really important for that because you're right. This idea that education is nothing more than, like, certification for one specific job, it's kind of like... I've not thought of this before, but you know, the, we've talked about this, I'm sure the hilarity of the highly, highly specific kitchen tool. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think we think of college degrees like that. Yeah. But where, do you have the brownie pan with a grid within it to yeah. make crusts everywhere? When, when it's like, to be honest, if you had three good pieces of kitchen equipment, you can do most things. Whereas you could have 72 highly specialized units in your cupboard and still not be able to make dinner. Highly specific unit is where it's at. Sometimes, sometimes, but you know what I'm saying. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say the highly specific pampered chef meat, meat, Browning chopper Mm -hmm. is one Mm -hmm. of the things that I... You could get some sort of a banana peeler machine that's as big as a toaster oven. I actually just ran into one that we talked about on the podcast years ago, which was the pizza cone (laughs) um, at a a Goodwill. This little curly Q stand that will somehow Mm -hmm. receive your pizza cone. (laughs) It's It's like a... I don't know. Somehow you got the dough into this thing, I guess, and you fill it with the topping. So oh, it's man. like a... I mean, I think I should have paid attention because I don't know how you make the cone in the first place, but it looks Probably just Probably with another like gadget. A, it just looks like a dark time of sort of <laughs> glugging down some cheesy sauce with pepperoni and and then eating the crust as an afterthought. Yeah. And, yeah. But, my, but yes. That, but I, I, my point here is is that you could equip your children with the basic tools by which they could do unbelievable numbers of different things. Or you could give them the one banana peeling machine, right. which isn't actually very helpful when it comes no, it's to a the point. It's the difference, beto- difference between saying, I want you to know how to use a chef's knife yes. and how to cut. Yes, And I'm not saying what you're going to cut or to what end right or how many different applications this will have in your life like yeah there's actually millions there's no way of stopping it right or saying i want to give you the the skills of you know shaking out dried onion flakes right that's it right there's a lot less yeah times that that's going to be the winning the winning and again like this is why we are giving our kids a liberal arts college education. Okay, but there's why a we're great... invested in this. It is because we think that like the like smaller number of more universal tools 
is a more highly effective way of teaching your kids than giving them this one very specific and limited thing. But as it applies to women, I think that what I was saying is I do think that guys have to work this out themselves. Right. But But they don't have to do the additional work of thinking, okay, now I'm going to flip it and do it like a woman. Sure. But yes, I do think it's, I do think it is. The problem is that everyone's like, well, why didn't we get educated for the job that we're going to have, which is the, if I'm going to be a homemaker, I'd be like, we couldn't take the risk of doing that when you might not get to do it. And you might have to have a job as a speech therapist or whatever, like where they want to have us and something like being a speech therapist that takes specific training to be able to do that. Or like, we want you to be able to be an accountant. So you need to Mm -hmm. have done those Mm -hmm. things or this or Mm -hmm. that. Um, and I think that the reality is that Christian parents and also just for our own lives, but we all need to be thinking all the time about, like the fundamental education that we need and that we need to be giving, yeah. which is just not the same as the real specific. And there are plenty of vocations that obviously you need very specific work in that one area. Yeah. But even those people need the more general. That's the yeah. the problem is even people who have a specific line of work that required specific training need to know how the to think. freedom, yeah, the freedom <laughs> of ability to yeah. to think and, I, and understand things. I do think there's there's the other thing that happens, which is that how many of us actually have a job today in the exact thing we got a degree in? I think virtually, I do. virtually no one does, but virtually everyone believes My that you have to. My job is the liberal arts yeah. and culture, so yeah. that's what I'm still doing. Well, look at what time it is. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta For go. sure. Do you have a tip, Becca, real fast? Um, My wow. tip is that I gotta go because... I do have a tip. What is This it? is something that the lady at the hardware store told me, and it is brilliant. I bought a little tube of this glue that is like the crazy stuff where once you pop the lid open, then it's yeah, going to yeah. weld the lid back on. Are I, you leaving? I, yeah. I have to finish tell you your this. Tip. Finish your tip. Well, she, I, I'm not going to finish the okay, tip after that. Finish it fast. Stick a nail or screw down inside it and then put the lid back on. And then the next time you need to use it, just pull the nail out and it's like still good. It's amazing. Well, it Don't works. Leave. I have to put that red cart in your car. Okay, until next time. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.